0: Hello and welcome to Indie Incursion and Indie Games Podcast, your weekly source for all the Indie Games news you need to know. This week we are bringing you three awesome Indie Games news stories, but before we get into that, I'd like to introduce myself, Von Hyde, alongside my illustrious co-host, the biggest of average, Josh Bulleys. How you doing, big Josh Bulleys?
1: I'm doing pretty well.
0: I'm back. Another week. Let's get at it. Nice, nice. I'm super excited for this. Also, have you ever noticed that I don't actually say anything? And indie games podcast. It always ends up meshing together to be like. Him, honey.
1: <laughs> uh, I guess I've just I hear it so often that it just connects for me, and it doesn't really matter as much. But I guess if someone was like listening to it for the first time, it might kind of sound like mushmouth. I don't know. Yeah, I mean,
0: I. One, I say it. Two, I edit it. And three, I listen to it. So I hear it basically three times, <clears throat> and every single time I'm like, just enunciate a little bit more. Just <clears throat> say the words.
1: And instead, I'm like, any game I can. It's okay. I uh, and I've heard this from. I think it was. I think Joseph said this on one of his, their episodes of Active Quest, but I had this experience where I told someone like in the real world, and I was like, yeah, I do a podcast. And they're like, oh, what's the podcast? And I go, it's an in it's Indian Incursion. And they go, I didn't know you were Indian. And I was like, what? I was oh like, my God, yeah. I was like, no. I was <laughs> like, Indie Incursion. <laughs> Indie. Like, <laughs> independent. And they were like, oh, okay. I was like, why would I be Indian? I don't look Indian. <laughs> Yeah, Joseph said Indian cursion. He's like, I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> Part of me is like, is it too late to like use a more well known word? <laughs> I know. I really like at this point I'm like, We should just I call it Indian Vasion. That's,
0: That's what, what it I is. wanted to do. I am not even. Ju- I feel like we've had this conversation before that I actually wanted to have Indie Invasion, but Indie Invasion apparently was taken by somebody who had not posted in the longest time, so instead I just looked up synonyms for <sighs> Invasion and Incursion is one of them.
1: You could have called it Indie Rampage.
0: I could, but I just liked the I.I.
1: I don't know mm, why. Indie Ice Cream uh, Invasion. <laughs> oh uh, that one's interesting (laughs) yeah we could talk about ice cream and video games dude i could talk about ice cream for like forever the uh last weekend i went to this place called larry's that's close by it's like this mom and pop kind of shop dude they have this red velvet ice cream oh it is amazing i was like in heaven so good how many types of ice cream do you try? Like, typically, do you normally
0: just get the same kind, like, everywhere? Or do you try, like, a plethora of Oh, I try flavors? a plethora.
1: I Because, like, my wife feels so weird about it. She's always like, she's like, I already asked twice. You ask for a sample this time. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like, that's their job. Give me all the samples. I try every flavor, just about. And then I'm like, okay. I end up sticking, usually, with, like, the same kind of types. Unless it's <laughs> holiday season, and then I'll go for, like, eggnog, because... Eggnog's the bomb. Um, that sounds
0: hilarious. You're like, can I get a sample of everyone? And uh, in the end, can I have vanilla? Can I have the vanilla? <laughs> I just want to imagine try that them. person being like, fuck you, dude. I nah,
1: don't try all of them, but I don't feel bad about doing it. And also, like, we shouldn't because both me and my wife worked at a Haagen-Dazs. So, like, I've had to deal with people asking me to give them samples all the time. So, I'm just like, I know what it's like. Just give me all the ice cream. It's fine. I'm actually going to pay you. Like, I'm not one of those jerks who's just going to run away. So, I never feel like guilt about asking for, oh, I, I want to know what flavor I want to pick. Like, it doesn't matter. They're just there. I only ever eat bubblegum. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: Whoa, you are
1: a yeah. monster.
0: I love the bubblegum ice cream at Baskin Robbins. So, I typically don't eat ice cream, but when I do, it's
1: bubblegum. Wow. First off, you don't eat ice cream, you're not human. Second off, Bubble gum? What the hell? What is wrong? I gotta try this. It's because so good, dude. Every time I see one of those flavors, like a bubble gum or like some weird, like crazy colored flavor, I'm always like, "You're going to be disgusting," and I don't even want any of it. I I don't know what exactly the ice cream tastes like. I mean, it's got I mean, like you don't know what it tastes chunks. like. What are you putting in your mouth?
0: No. Okay, so I had to I had to explain it a bit. The <laughs> ice cream itself has a unique taste. But then there's also small chunks of bubblegum within the ice cream. That sounds awful. Well, it's it's not too bad because then I just like I'll, I'll eat like what some you, of What do you like save because... all the pieces and then you're like, "Ooh, I got a stick of bubblegum? No, I mean kind of, yeah. No, <laughs> I <laughs> I eat some of them and then after that it like starts to make my tongue hurt. So instead I will like put the ice cream in my mouth, suck off all the ice cream and then spit out the bubblegum peas. <clears throat> And then you're at putting the end, so
1: much added work into this, and also gross that you're just saving a spitwad like, collection of gum. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's probably not the, the best way to eat it, but I find it delicious. It's fantastic. They don't often sell it in the pint or anything, though, which kind of sucks. Mm.
1: All right, next then, time. Yeah. yeah.
0: Just can't. I just have to get like one or two scoops of bubblegum ice cream.
1: All right. Next time I'm there, which isn't often, but I'll, I'll try to go out of my way to, to go get some bubblegum ice cream. It's seriously
0: like my my fiance worked at the exact same Baskin Robbins that we normally go to, and Ooh, uh, I was like, "Have you ever seen like an adult other than me order butter like a bubblegum? Bubble, yeah, bubblegum ice cream." And she's like, "No, no, it's always like children." <laughs> You're a monster. <laughs> Yeah, she's basically shit on me and was like, nah, you're a fucking
1: idiot. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I'm glad we took this tangent. This is a great one. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Uh, what have you been playing this week? I mean, what have you been doing in general other than eating ice cream? Other say. than eating ice cream. Okay, so I want to talk about three games, um, which I know is a lot, but I really have to ramble because uh, two of them I got codes from the developers, and I'm super th- super thankful for it, um, and they're both really fun games that I want to talk about. Those are the indie ones, and then I want to talk about uh, a Nintendo game that came out. So I'll start with the indie ones. Um, the first one I'll talk about is called Pilgrims. It's this game that was developed and published by uh, Amanita Design, I think is how you say it. Um, <clears throat> it's really cool. I've played their games before. They're very, like, point-and-click adventure kind of games and puzzly, um, which always for me, isn't like my style for the most part, but I really like the way they did this and you're gonna, you know, call me out on this, but they use cards. Yeah, I just
0: looked at the Steam page and I was like, it's a fucking card game. Yeah,
1: so it doesn't it doesn't put too much emphasis on that card part. So like, calm down. Um, But it's actually literally every bit of gameplay I'm looking at right now has to do with these fucking cards. I know, but the (laughs) cards, okay, the cards are literally your inventory though. It's not just like that they're cards. So the way this works is you're like this traveler who's just essentially trying to get on a boat and go like sailing, but you can't go on the boat unless you find this lady's bird. And so you're on this giant adventure trying to like make friends, uh, do random quests all in the giant adventure of trying to get this bird so that you can sail on the boat. But in between that, you're doing like really weird things like meeting the devil. You're, um, basically fighting a bear, you're fighting a dragon, you're, uh, doing a bunch of different things. And one of the cool things about it is you have your character who is a card and you can run to different areas of this map, and each area will then highlight into essentially a drawing. And the the art style of it is really nice. like It's very, very beautiful. I really like the cartoony aspect to it. Um, But what happens is in that world, you can click on various elements in the world, and if it's something that you can pick up, you'll essentially take it, and it will become a card in your inventory. And you can use that in other areas of the map that you walk to. Like, for instance, the first thing you do is you have a tent, and you can put your character on that first map. You can then click on the tent, and he'll go inside it, and he'll find a coin. And so, cool, you've got this coin... You don't know what to do with it, but then you go travel around, and eventually you find this old lady who's asking for a coin, and you're like, oh, I have one. I just picked up one. I can give it to her, and then she goes, oh, she's so thankful, and she becomes friends with you, basically, because you gave her that money, and so her character card is now in your inventory, so now you can go to areas that you originally went to, but you can, instead of placing your you know, the normal character you had to start with, you can place down her and characters or events will transpire differently depending on which character you place. so it's really cool because it's just, it's a puzzle game of trans, uh, basically transitioning from one area to the next, trying to find new items (laughs) to then, uh, fulfill some quest, whether that's do something like finding uh, a fishing rod, I had to make this guy really happy. So I had to find certain items and certain things that characters could do to make him happy. So he would agree to giving me his fishing rod so I could then go fishing so that I could then basically give that fish to a bartender so that I could get a bottle of gin so that I could make another friend. So it's like all these transpiring things that go one from one. So you have to keep going back. You have to figure out kind of who has what. Um, and it honestly, it was a a short adventure. I think it's a little a little pricey for the amount of time. It's five bucks, but it is like a two one to two hours for a playthrough, depending on how quick you are. Um, but the nice thing about it is there's replayability in it, where you can essentially go through a number of things in multiple ways. So there is that added element where you can go back and do certain things in uh, a various assortment of uh, methods meaning there's different ways that at one point there's like a dragon and you can take that on either helping the dragon defeating the dragon putting the dragon to sleep like there's a number of different ways that you can go about these tasks so there is replayability in it and i just liked it for it's like the humor in it as well as the whimsical kind of nature of this game just in general so i really recommend it i think like i said five dollars it's a little bit, but I mean, it's only five dollars, so I still recommend it. I think if you're into puzzle games, I think this is definitely something for you know those types of individuals. <clears throat> um, and then I don't know if you have any questions. If not, I'll just keep rolling into the second game.
0: I mean, I was kind of gonna ask if you've ever played their other games, which is uh, Machinarium or Samorost, I think is what I've, it's called. The Samorost. Oh, okay, I was going to say Machinarium I've seen on, or it's like M- Machinarium, I'm not 100% sure. I've seen it on PSN like 50 times. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like always, anytime a game goes on sale, I swear to God that game goes on sale. <laughs> but uh, I've never played any of them. Are they similar to this? They're just like standard point and click adventure games?
1: Yeah, so it's, it's very similar to that style, only it has that interesting card aesthetic where you have essentially, um, in most point-and-click adventures, you would be one character, you would click to where you want to travel to, which is still kind of the same, but there's this... um, In this game, it's a little different because there's that overworld of kind of like a map, and you click where you want to go, you jump into a scene, and then you basically have those character cards, so you can play a different character rather than being one, you know static character at a time and then you can use certain inventory by put placing the inventory item on your character or on other characters to give them something so like if you wanted to trade with someone you would have to use a specific character who uh isn't like offensive to the other one so that they would basically be able to talk to and then you can put the item on them so that you can trade those items so it's a little bit different but it feels very the same in that point and click adventure type where you're literally going from one area to the next and trying to solve some kind of puzzle
0: Hmm, all right
1: what's the other game you've been playing so the second one was provided by uh, rose city games and this was publisher viz media uh cat lady
0: so Yeah, talk about it on the podcast like twice now, I think.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So I reached out and I was like, hey, uh, we've talked about your game. We want to actually give it a try. And they were like, yeah, sure. And um, I was super excited because we've talked about this and I generally play a lot of these kind of roguelikes and like hard type games. And it definitely is early access. Like, I'm not going to lie. it It's not a complete game. There's only, I think, three zones that I went through. And then it basically gave me that screen where it's like, hey, we're still working on things, but you can keep on playing the loop. Um, but in my time of playing, which took uh, roughly, I want to say, two to th- maybe two to four. I don't really remember uh, how much time I spent because I went back and forth on things. Um, but in that time, I really ended up getting all the way through because I just ended up getting a good build. And that's kind of where this comes into. It's a really good roguelite in the sense of your build can be different each time because of the cats you use. So it's, it's kind of weird, but essentially you get two abilities in this game. You get a primary cat and a secondary cat. And as you're uh, first starting off, you'll get a primary cat, which is just to shoot, basically fireballs, straightwards, words, uh, depending on where you angle your mouse or your controller depending on which way you're playing and then you have a secondary cat which is like this marshmallow cat that you just chuck at people and it's kind of like a grenade
0: that's pretty awesome
1: yeah so you basically get that and then as you're traversing through the um, essentially through different areas of the house which are now being haunted and monsters are coming everywhere like just turning up uh, you'll find these events where either someone's giving you something selling you something or random cats that are kind of just lying around and they'll be like hey pick up me and you can swap out your primary cat or secondary cat so like your primary cat i had a couple of times where i found one where instead of a straight shot attack there was a widespread three hearts that would kind of shoot out because it was like called loveums, and it was just a cat that would kiss um there was one where it was like this uh, magician type thing where it was uh i think it just had one eye or something like that but it was like a tracking uh so you would shoot out and your attacks would just follow enemies and like try to heat seek them uh secondary cats i think were kind of meh um, there was a lot of cool ones but i just don't think they did as much damage as your primary but that makes sense based on primary and secondary Um, but there was one where you would have a little box guy who kind of looks like Snake uh, from Metal Gear Solid who would just kind of like roam around and you would click where he needs to go. And if enemies walk by, he would attack them um, from outside of the box. He'd be like, nah. And then you had one who was like a robot that would just, you'd position him and he would just start firing lasers depending on where he's at. I thought those ones were cool, but I never really... Cared too much about using my secondary cat. It was all about the primary, and it was usually um, picking the love 'ems, the spread one, just so I had more of an attack in a larger range. Um, But I liked it because you can do that. You could have those, you know, the mix of cats, and then you also, as you're going through the game, you get all these power ups, as, you know, in most roguelites. And they really did um, do it in a way where a lot of them felt useful it wasn't just like oh a power up and it's like 0.2 of an attack damage up and you're like okay great i don't really feel any difference like these ones would be a legit you can see that there is a clear increase in your attack range there is a clear increase in your attack damage um one of them when your like your shots hit an enemy tiny shots would spray out of them and hit enemies behind them which i thought was awesome and it even worked for like the tracking heat seeking one which i didn't think it was going to work i was like oh this definitely won't work the same way but it did so i was like oh wow that's pretty cool um and then as you're going through there's a bunch of other little uh items like poison enemies like um what was some of the others, to slow them when you hit them. So there's like a lot of different things that you can go in each run and build out your character differently. Uh, One of them I bought uh, twice on the the run that I won. It was kind of weird. There's this one thing called like works in mysterious ways and it just, that's exactly what it says. You buy it and your primary attack and secondary attack now like swerve randomly and go in circles. So it was like really weird. I was <laughs> I was very confused and I accidentally bought it a second time and it made it even weirder. So it was like my attacks were wonky and just going everywhere. But it was like it really worked in my favor because sometimes the enemies would move and my, like, my attack would just follow them. Uh, not expectedly, but it would just go a different way that they were running to. So it worked out pretty well. Um, From a difficulty standpoint, I definitely think that there is a lot of, I'd like to see more variety in it, um, just because the actual worlds as you keep playing, uh, every time you fail and you go back into there, they do definitely repeat themselves, you can see. It's like, I don't know how they do it, uh, whether it's procedurally generated in a certain sense of like pick and choose, but it, a lot of the levels I could see that they were repeating based on the same type of enemy in the same background, which is fine because you have the different elements. And on, once again, this is early access, so there's you know room for improvement in that way. But the good thing was it does have that element of difficulty just because all of the areas are very close. And so enemy attacks, the minute you get in a room is when they'll start and you'll be able to hit them. The doors close and then you're locked in kind of like a Binding of Isaac type game. Um, So from that point, you're in close quarters and you have to like dodge around. And as you go higher up in levels... You essentially have monsters who have more uh, difficult-to-dodge attacks because whether they're shooting out more widespread attacks or maybe they track you or they're larger, um, there's a lot to it. But I definitely had a lot of fun with it. I think some of my gripes with it were that I would get stuck on corners really easily, and it was kind of annoying, but it wasn't the biggest deal. It was just something I had to learn to be like, if I hit a corner, I have to quickly press back and then go around, Um, but sometimes it it felt a little sticky. Um, And there were a few issues where I felt like when I was attacking, it wasn't starting with the the heat-seeking missile one. I'm not sure about that one. Um, But I, I still had a lot of fun with it. I still think that the bosses were really cool. I can't wait to see more of those because... The boss fights were actually pretty uh pretty tough and pretty interesting there was like a big giant bird where it was very hectic it was flying around attacking you it was throwing random bones it was throwing its feathers out like there were it it was just a lot going on was very chaotic and i really enjoyed that because it made me go in and build a certain way at first knowing that these enemies were around and i was fighting them and not the big boss and then i got to the boss and i was like oh you know what Based on who it is, I have to find a different build. I have to pick different cats, and I have to strategize based on how this enemy is coming up. So there's a lot of good, promising parts to this game. There's you know obviously a few rough edges because it's early access, but I definitely think it's worth picking up for um, for people who like this genre and who want to you know help them get better and give feedback. I know a lot of people don't like the early access type thing, just because. You know, you're buying into a game that's not fully featured, but if you want to help them out or you think it looks interesting, I definitely recommend it. I had a fun time with it and I can't wait to see more of the game expand.
0: What did you play it on?
1: I played it on PC. So I played it through Steam.
0: Oh, okay i was wondering where it was early access through because i like tried to look up cat lady and it ended up coming up with the cat lady which is apparently a completely different like horror game
1: yeah that's kind of an issue i feel like from a marketing perspective just because i did the same thing when i was trying to find information on them like before i did the podcast and i was like what is this i was like this has nothing to do with what i played
0: yeah, it looks nothing like it. That one's, like, seemingly this weird survival horror game, not this cutesy, like, roguelike bullet yeah. hell.
1: So, uh, basically, if you're gonna go for this game and it sounds interesting, only type Cat Lady game, not The Cat Lady. I
0: swear to God, I just put Cat Lady. Maybe I put The Cat Lady. Okay, though, is uh, is this, like, an early access available for everybody?
1: Yeah. So this is available for everybody. It's $10 right now for early access. I assume when, you know, it's fully complete, it'll be higher price as most early access games kind of have that, that method. Um, but I don't, I don't officially know, but like I said, I think it was good. Uh, I spent a good, you know, four hours. Um, I got through it because I had a really good build. Um, for some people it might take a little bit longer for some people it might be quicker. But it is super cute. It is, in a way, very difficult in certain elements to it. Uh, I like the fact that you're constantly upgrading your character in the actual runs that you do, and then based on how many ghosts you kill, they'll sometimes drop these like spooky ghost symbols. And whenever you collect those, you can then come back to the main hub and upgrade your character there by including um, upgrades to your health for like you just have more max health or upgrades in the sense of you're buying things that will appear in runs as you go into the dungeons. Well, they're not really dungeons, but just parts of the house.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, You had one
1: more game that you wanted to talk about, right? Yeah, one more game. So the last game, and I'll try to make this quick because I I don't really have too much to say and it's not an indie game, but man, I'm (laughs) playing Ring Fit Adventure. Dude, this thing is so fun. It's actually really cool. I'm uh, realizing how (laughs) weak my legs are in comparison to the rest of my body, but man, this game's actually pretty cool. They set it up, so I'm playing the adventure mode, and for those who don't know, Ring Fit Adventure is basically the new exercise game that the Nintendo Switch came out with. They give you a Pilates ring that one of the Joy-Cons hooks into, and then they give you a, kind of like a, a band that connects around your leg that the other joy con goes into and so the motion tracking for it is actually pretty damn spot on i was very impressed with it um but it's really weird the way you play because it makes you constantly like squeeze the pilates ring pull on the pilates ring you're jumping around but i'm in a second story apartment like i'm in the second floor so I can't be like running around, which is most of the game. Cause the adventure mode, you basically run to your next enemy and then do workouts to fight them. So I have to do silent mode, which means instead of running, I squat over and over and over <laughs> and over again. And man, I like the first day I started it like five minutes in, I was like, "Whoo, this is getting, uh, it's getting kind of tough. And then the next day I I did it again. And I was like, oh my God, I think my legs are going (laughs) to, they're going to break. I was like, I would try to do these, these, uh... These workouts, And I was just like getting so winded. And finally, the, the day right after, I was like trying to walk around. And I was just like, I can't even walk. <laughs> it's just like so bad. But it's it was really good. And it's really fun the way they do it. Because you're essentially running around. You're hitting these random enemies. And it turns into an RPG battle where you have to do certain workouts. Like you have to do overhead presses. You have to do uh, squats. You have to do um, leg to chest crunches. And the game is tracking all those and rating you. And based on your rating for each one of those reps, you attack the monster and do a a certain amount of damage. You do more if you get a great, less if you do good, and even less if you don't get any rating at all, which just means you kind of like did it. So it's all based on how well your form is. So I was really impressed with it. And I like it because it it adds this story element. It adds all these uh, actual RPG elements of... Strategy to which enemies you attack because you'll get different advantages based on the muscle group that you use based on their color. So it's like, there's a lot that's going into this more than I thought it would have for it just being a like, hey, you know, get off your ass and exercise type of game. But it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really impressed with it. So you're somebody who actually exercises. Do you, does this feel like it's giving you like a legitimate workout? Yeah, so it does. Um, And one of the cool things that they do is they they literally ask you, they're like, do you work out? And I was like, yeah, okay. And they're like, how often? And I was like, a pretty good amount. And they're like, okay. And based on your questions that you answer, they'll give you a difficulty level. It goes from one to 30. So based on that, it'll then do that rating system of that great, good, and just like, okay. And it will lower the bar for you depending on how much... um, How high your difficulty is, and it will also give you less reps if you have the lower difficulty.
0: It sounds like you're gonna have some
1: thick buns by the end of that. Dude, I'm not gonna lie, I was like pretty excited because I was like, oh, this actually pushes me to do legs, which I often neglect. What you skip leg day? I skip a lot of leg days, never skip leg day, but well, because and this is the thing. I skip leg day because two times a week, I do the Stairmaster for 30 minutes. I just walk upstairs, and I'm like, that's enough legs. And I was like, surely I'll be good at this. Apparently, walking upstairs do me no good for my legs because they were so friggin' weak.
0: <laughs> Go figure. You're like walking around on these little pencil
1: legs. <laughs> Pretty much. I don't know, man. It's it's a good game, and it, it definitely does... like. I think this is an awesome initiative, especially for people who aren't like as inclined to work out for me. It's like, it's just another good, uh, you know, Avenue for when I don't want to go to the gym, but like for people who don't exercise at all and are ashamed, not like, I don't want to put it in that way, but like there's some people who don't want to go to the gym because they don't work out already. And they get that kind of like, Oh, other people work out at the gym. I don't want to be seen in front of that. And like, that's a legit, you know, thing that people are afraid of this is a great way to be like hey it's okay do in your house work out do whatever you want this is going to motivate you to do more maybe you'll go to the gym later maybe not maybe you'll just play this game and that's totally fine but it keeps people active and the game is like really good about giving you constant tips and like uh random things just about exercise in general each time you play Um, and I really like it it even like focuses on what you're focusing on as far as your body the second day I literally did all upper body exercises because I was just like I cannot do squats I'm going to kill myself if I do more squats and so the game at the end makes you do like stretching and it's like okay you ready to do your cooldown? And I was like, sure. And the game literally goes, "Hey, you did a lot of upper body, so let's do a stretch, like a stretch thing, uh, a routine just specifically for upper body." And I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. So it's like actually paying attention to what you're choosing. Do you think I can mold my chubby
0: body into like Arnold Schwarzenegger's body with this? No, you think so? Damn no, it. I think you can.
1: I think you can get to a part where your body is toned because this is using resistance training. Which isn't really like, you're not lifting weights with this. You're basically working out with the own force of your body. Um, So it's a lot of like the same concept of bands working out where you're just pulling against your own strength. So you're not really going to get like jacked, but you'll get to a part where your body is very toned.
0: Ah, so I guess that was a bad example. Arnold Schwarzenegger was a bodybuilder. Let's go with like Ryan Gosling cuz he's just thin. He's kind of toned, you know? He's a he's a sexy boy. How about that? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe oh. you get you get it
1: and you try and uh you let me know how that works.
0: I actually really like uh, games that gamify exercise. I think they're so cool. I've been really wanting to to try them out more. Um, that's one of the main reasons I want to get a VR headset, like a PlayStation VR, so I can play, play beat, that beat Saber. saber. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there were like, of course, the older Wii games that like Wii Fit and stuff like that that tried to gamify exercise mm-hmm. that I feel like didn't do it exceptionally well. Right. But this sounds pretty cool. Yeah I mean
1: I might be into this. I mean I, I think it's a great uh, a great purchase. It's eighty bucks, which is a little high, you know, because normal games are like fifty, sixty, but like if you're thinking about it, you're essentially paying for the game, which is a full fledged game. It has a full RPG adventure mode in it, so that's sixty. And you're only paying twenty dollars for the Pilates ring and that band. But the Pilates ring is actually pretty well done, at least for the I've played it uh for like three days so far my wife has used it as well the same amount that i have and it's just fine i thought that it was going to be weird because i'm really pushing against it but it seems pretty sturdy
0: i would uh i would recommend just most people if they're having a hard time justifying getting an 80 video game that uh that's like this just tell your significant other or whoever's doubting you that it's cheaper than paying for a new ass you know be like, yeah, I'm going to mold it. I'm going to sculpt myself into an Adonis. I I
1: thought you were going to go in such a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> what? I thought you were going to... Because I thought, I for some reason, I guess I was thinking of my own situation. Me and my wife got it because we were both like, oh, we can both benefit from it. So we're both going to split the cost 40-40. And I thought ah. you were going to go that way of being like, oh, if you're splitting it with someone and they're playing, you know you'll both get to utilize essentially what would be like instead paying for two gym memberships. And then you went with the, nah, I'm dude, a sexy I was, Adonis.
0: <laughs> I was going for ass implants. That's where I
1: was going. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess that's also an alternative, but, <laughs> but this is cheaper. So <laughs> Very true.
0: Very true. Uh, speaking of cheaper, which not really the games that I have been playing this week um, are not cheaper at all. Probably.
1: <laughs> Not if you're paying for physical, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. uh The games I've been playing this week, I haven't played mm, basically any indie games. I want to get back to Children of Morta, but mm-hmm. I played a lot of Destiny 2 over the weekend. I don't know if you saw me tweet it out, but I did finally get the platinum trophy in Destiny 2 because Damn. I finally, yeah, yeah, I finally got. So I needed two trophies. I needed Ikora's Protégé, which has been the bane of my fucking existence Mm -hmm. for a long time. Because it's it's like a gold trophy that all you have to do is max out the Warlock subclasses. And that sounds easy enough. It's like, okay, whatever. But back in Forsaken, they gave you a third Warlock subclass that you could only unlock by getting a certain material that, uh, well, they technically gave you like a ninth. Because you already had three and then you got... I mean, it's like it's kind of like you have six, but they have multiple paths as well. It's kind of weird. <laughs> but you essentially just had to max out all of these subclasses on the Warlock because I had already done it on the Titan, the Titan and the Hunter. So by the time that I got this third tree, I was like, son of a bitch. And I couldn't do <laughs> it because I didn't have anybody to grind this specific place with me. Um, so it. when Shadowkeep came out and they're like, hey they're literally just unlocked. They're unlocked and you don't even have to worry about it. I was like, "What the hell? I technically <laughs> have unlocked this. Why is this trophy not popping?" It was pissing me off until my old roommate, my best friend, he sent me a picture, like the little bitch he is, of his platinum trophy and that he just got the Ichor's Protégé. Uh like he he had just gotten that trophy and I was like, "How'd you do it?" And he's like, "Oh, I just deleted my warlock and then made a new one. And it immediately (laughs) like it immediately just gave it to him. So it's like son of a bitch. And then I did the Leviathan raid over the weekend with a couple of friends of mine. It was excessive. There was a lot. (laughs) There was just too much. It was four and a half hours. Ooh, that's rough. Yeah, yeah, four and a half hours, and we had already played a decent amount beforehand because we were grinding out to get a certain gun in competitive player versus player. Um, And it was just a lot. Like, uh, I had to dump out. Freaking a guy had to make bread. One of the guys (laughs) disconnected twice. Uh, We had to, like, get a new player because one guy was playing the raid with us, but he was like, hey, guys, I have to go. I have to go to bed because I have to be to work in four hours. At this point in time, we had only been in this raid for like an hour.
1: Oh, my God.
0: So what the fuck? He was from like, I don't know. He was he was from like, uh, I think, Britain or Australia. But it was real weird. I was like, (laughs) dude, what do you do? Actually, I think he was from Britain because he said he was eating jammy Dodgers. And I was like, what is that? And he's like, it's a biscuit. And I was like, once again, what is that? (laughs) <laughs> and he had to go to the whole thing about biscuits being cookies. So oh, yeah, that yeah, yeah. is mostly what I played over the weekend. I've been watching a whole lot of anime. I watched uh, Looking for Alaska, which is the reason why I I don't know if I brought this up outside of the podcast or mm. on the podcast. But it is the reason why I was telling you that uh, like John Green, one of the like two vlog brothers on YouTube – he also writes novels like uh, *Paper Towns* and *The Fault in Our Stars*. Mm-hmm. He writes those. He wrote *Looking for Alaska*, and then Hulu made it into like a miniseries. So that was eight hours of my life that <laughs> I used because they're each an hour long and it's eight episodes. But it good, though? yeah, I actually really enjoyed it. It okay. was well, it you was, didn't was pretty lose great. It. Yeah, it made me cry like four times, Ooh, which is kind of hilarious because then I told my fiance about it, and she was like, "What?" you didn't tell me she was like all pissed that she didn't get to see me ball and i was like really so uh, while i was watching she really does hate you she's uh she's
1: making fun of you for your ice cream choice she's getting enjoyment out of just watching you cry she actually really really
0: enjoys it when i cry yeah she's a big fan because I'm just like this stoic, muscly badass most of the time. And then she sees me cry <laughs> and she's like, implants. he is human. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't actually have biceps. They're just like gelatin. <laughs> that's <laughs> gross. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I watched that and she was basically like prowling. She was looking at me through the crack in the door hoping to see me cry during this pivotal scene in the wow. show. And I was like, get the fuck out of here.
1: That's really strange. I'm not going to lie.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is, you it have is an
1: interesting relationship.
0: Speaking of interesting relationships, because I've got nothing more to talk about. I didn't do a whole lot other than play Destiny. It's time to get into the news. Transition. So good. Uh, our first news story is over on GameSpot. It is written by Eddie McCook. Macook. I don't know. Uh, it's M A K U C H. Well, what, what would you say that last name is? McCutch. All right, let's go with McCutch, even though that kind of sounds dirty. Uh, this is <laughs> developer bo- developer devolver boss defends Steam amid Epic Games store and exclusivity controversy. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not at all what he fucking said. But all right, let's get into this. One of the most talked about developments in gaming over the past year has been Fortnite developer Epic establishing a new digital store and its pursuit of exclusives of which there have been many in addition to paying for exclusive epic gives epic gives creators 88% of the revenue compared to 70% on Steam and others yeah and other, okay i don't know why that got me uh, publisher <laughs> ubisoft no longer releases a, no longer releases new titles on steam because they believe the 70 30 revenue split is unreasonable now uh now one of the founders of boutique game publisher devolver digital known for hotline miami 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 welcome <laughs> to miami <laughs> uh genital jousting and fall guys has spoken you ever played genital Guthin? jousting no, I read oh, that and hilarious. I was like,
1: what the fuck is, it is that? Hilarious.
0: <laughs> I'm assuming it okay, what what is it about?
1: It's you're you're exactly what you think you are. You're ah. genitals and you are jousting.
0: Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Has spoken up to defend Steam and call for a reset of the wider uh of the wider conversation that can at times paint Steam as the bad guy. Once again. I don't see how you got that, but okay. Unless it's just left out of this. All right, though. Um... I feel like this conversation needs to be reset. That is obvious. Uh, Graham Struthers, I'm going to say is what his name is. Graham Struthers told Mm -hmm. GameSpot at PAX Australia, the conversation never really took place properly, in my opinion. Struthers said the launch of Steam more than a decade ago changed the landscape of PC gaming. Steam was an integral part of the success of Devolver and other studios. One part of what made Steam appealing then and continues to now is that developers are paid every month, which is not the case with every store. So I didn't actually know that. Um, yeah, and um, it makes me wonder how, like, what uh, what the Epic Game store, like how often do they pay you, if it's every month or if it's after every sale.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I I'm not really too sure. I think it's also hard to tell because a lot of what, Epic Game Store is doing right now is giving, like, money up front.
0: Yeah, for their exclusives. So that
1: it probably doesn't matter as much. But, yeah, I mean, I assume they would have to give that money up front and then be like, all right, now we'll give you money whenever you sell something. Like, I think it would be easier to get away with that kind of model as opposed to... Well, I don't know. I, don't I know.
0: believe with the exclusives what they do is they give the developer money up front and then I think they basically... I would assume they take the money up into the amount that they paid and then after that the rest is just kind of gravy. Yeah, but
1: I mean that would make I'm sense.
0: not a hundred percent sure. I just kinda wanna know how often they like when they're when it's not an exclusive and it's just a game that is released on their platform, how often that they release like uh, release people's money kind of a thing. Like is it every month? Is it after every purchase? Is it every week? That kind Mm. of a thing. I kind of wish this article just had some sort of context given to that, like kind of just a list maybe of other stores that don't actually give it per month. But also this is more of an interview. So I guess it makes sense Um, because if Struthers didn't bring it up, then it makes sense that they wouldn't include it. Um, Right. He goes on to say, every month we were pay or every month we were getting paid and you were being paid accurately. He said, we've all got our horror stories about doing audits of our publishers and finding huge discrepancies about what was being reported in sales. Here's Steam. Uh, here's Steam's every month accurate straightforward and transparent okay that part's fucked up <laughs> <laughs> that they all have to audit their publishers and they're like yeah you owe us money dude yeah i I don't, I don't know why that had never crossed my mind that that kind of stuff would
1: happen but yeah, well if uh you know if there's a way to steal money people will figure it out yeah maybe if nicholas publishes your game <laughs> you
0: see fuck you <laughs> uh regarding the revenue shares struthers point out that steam's 30 percent cut was a more generous offer than others at the time Mm -hmm. the payment scheme that steam offered allowed publishers to offer more favorable terms to developers struthers said to come out um to come out of a model before steam where where we were as i don't know why i'm having so, so many issues like reading his stuff as a <laughs> games publisher maybe making 25 percent, and that's if you were successful to be in a 70 30 relationship is uh it was transformative in every sense he said and that led to <clears throat> realignment with relationships with developers if there is more money and it's more frequent you can have better terms with developers i uh, with the launch of competing game stores including epics developers... Okay, yeah. I'm having so many issues. Uh, Developers have more options, and this competition is good overall for the industry, Struthers said. At the same time, Struthers stressed that comparing Steam to epic directly is not fair or helpful steam has been around for more than a decade it's a refined platform with an important tool set and features for developers and consumers alike that make for a better overall experience uh, competition is going to come along at some point epic has taken a view that uh, their way of bringing content to their platform is far more generous uh is far more generous revenue share, and obviously, uh, they've been pushing exclusives. That's great, he explained, and it's giving developers and publishers a choice. You can't compare the two things, however, as like for like. Steam has invested I don't know how many millions of dollars in their platform. Epic, uh, Epic have yet to do that. I'm not saying they won't and hopefully they will in terms of the features and in terms of tool sets for developers. There's a there's a ways to go. Uh but competition is good. Finally Struthers said all the drama and controversy are over Epic paying for exclusive doesn't really hold up because exclusivity has a part uh has been a part of gaming since the beginning. The rise about developers and publishers going to Epic and exclusivity, Um, it doesn't really hold up, he said. I played games on PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch and Devolver. We've done console exclusives with Sony, with Microsoft. I think it's good, but I think we have to respect Steam for what they've done. Without them, none of... None of them, uh, none of this would have been a conversation in the first place. I don't know why. I was like mid burp. It just kind of got weird. It was uncomfortable. Let's get weird. So he's not really saying anything that no one has said before. And it's kind of weird. This is once again kind of like it feels like a non-story. Mm. Like we we already knew about the larger revenue shares. We we already knew the argument, like pro Steam and pro Epic. That Epic gives larger revenue shares, but Steam has more features. We've we've known about basically all of this from the beginning. And the argument that exclusives has, have basically existed since the beginning of gaming has existed the whole time as well. So this isn't necessarily like. I don't know. This isn't a new opinion in any way.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of back and forth um, on this subject as we've gone over weeks on weeks. Um, I think it's interesting because he does bring up a good point of like, you know, for the people who see epic and just go oh well they're better for developers so they're the winner how could you steam like blah blah blah? you charge way too much it's like well in the past that was actually a good model and that was better than others so it's not like steam is evil per se so like i get i get the point that he's trying to like push in this and that obviously competition is a good thing um but yeah it's just more of like Okay, well, when, when has it become a time to compare them, then?
0: Yeah, I I see. Uh, I do actually kind of understand that a little bit more now that you point that out. Um, but there's also, like, the uh, Epic isn't necessarily, like... I mean, Elias, the CEO of Epic, as far as I know, has said that they don't necessarily see steam as a bad guy they're just doing the exclusivity stuff until they change their revenue shares so at a point in time it was a pretty awesome revenue share going from possibly like seemingly at their highest 25 percent to going to 70 percent but mm-hmm. now since it's very possible that steam doesn't do as much for right. developers they're still taking such a large revenue share. But there's also all the things that Steam has done over the years to kind of make the landscape of PC what it is Um, can't be discredited. But also, I mean, you could just, I I don't know. The the revenue share thing will always bother me because at at some point in time, just enough has to be enough. They have a lot of money. They have probably more money than most. And they don't necessarily need to take 30% anymore because they don't do a whole lot, if anything. The like the fact that their platform is, like, they don't really gatekeep. You can put basically anything you want on Steam isn't exactly a good thing. Like, it is at some points in time because indie developers get to put their game on a store and mm-hmm. it's not as bad as PlayStation or stuff like that, but their store is just overcrowded. There's there's like thousands upon thousands of games on their store, which I mean I feel like the Epic Game Store might be fairly similar, um, but I don't know. It just seems like the stuff that uh, Steam has been offering developers has not exactly evolved. Right. When like the what developers need from Steam has.
1: Yeah, I mean I think it's tough, and I think it also like. <sighs> So one of the things he mentioned is they're not putting money into their own store, which obviously they are, but it just takes time. Um, And that's kind of why I go to my point of like, when is it going to be the right time to really judge these two then effectively, just because Epic is at a point where it needs to do all these exclusives, because otherwise, you know, there would be a clear winner. It's like, why would you go to Steam if they didn't have that game that is only available there? Um but that's going to take time and i don't know if epic is pushing as much as they need to to get there quicker um but it seems like they have money to burn so they'll just keep doing exclusives until then
0: yeah i'm really interested i'm i'm interested to see how the epic game store evolves once they start to really add those features in that people are really hankering for um which is kind of interesting. Like the, It seems like the Epic Game Store is possibly better for developers, but worth for, worse for gamers in a way, just because they don't have those features. Yeah. Um, it's, it's such an interesting argument between the two. And I have been known to make the argument that exclusives has, have existed since the beginning of gaming, just like he has. But you also have to take into account that they haven't necessarily existed on pc for all that long right. um, that's
1: why it's such a big deal is because pc gamers are getting very upset with the fact that now we're in a time where all of a sudden it's becoming an issue of like where do i play it when that used to be the big joke is from a pc gamer perspective we didn't really care when the console wars were going crazy because you know it was like oh we want to play this here, we want to play this here, blah, blah, blah. It should be on our our console, and most games are always on PC anyway, so it was like, well, whatever. The
0: weirdest thing about it is that you have to give Mm. credit to Steam for making the marketplace what it is today, exclusives and all. Like, Steam, Mm. for the most part, is the reason that PC exclusives exist, seemingly. Like, uh, Ubisoft going off and just creating their own launcher and exclusively selling through there, um... I, I at least I think they exclusively sell through there. I'm fairly certain they do. Um, but that is seemingly in like it. It was it is that way because Steam would not change their revenue shares. So in like Steam inadvertently <laughs> created their own worst enemy. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's how competition works.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Uh, speaking of. Devolver, because not really speaking of competition. Our next article <laughs> continues with Devolver, the same guy, actually, and also written by the same guy over on GameSpot, Eddie McCook, maybe. <laughs> um, this is Devolver founder excited by PS5 and next gen Xbox. It's good for everyone. One of the founders of Devolver Digital, the boutique publisher behind games like Hotline Miami and General Jousting, you got to enjoy that he used both those games. Yeah, he really likes General Jousting. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, specifically, is eager to see Sony and Microsoft's uh, Sony and Microsoft launch their next-generation platforms. Speaking to GameSpot at PAX Australia, dude, he must have like these guys
1: must have spoke to him for a long time. <laughs> yeah they've just been talking about the <laughs> same same couple of things I'm just trying to get all them articles out <laughs> um
0: i uh- Graham Struthers said he's excited about the launch of the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Project Scarlet in 2020, in part because those systems are expected to be attractive to all developers, big and small. Um, This wasn't always the case, as Struthers, um, who has been with the company since he co-founded it in 2009, pointed out that PS3 and 360 generation wasn't the most inviting for indie developers. It's great, Struthers said, of the upcoming... uh, said of the upcoming release of PS5 and the next Xbox, the previous generation, the one we're coming to the end of, was the one for companies like ourselves. We were allowed in. Previously, it was pretty hard to be uh, on PS3 and 360 for next next gen. We're in at the start, given the same opportunities as everybody else, which is great. So right there, I kind of wanted to just bring up something. I don't know necessarily because I am not part of Devolver Digital and I'm not a game developer, at least not yet, because, you know, my ultimate goal is to make games. But um, <laughs> One day. I don't know necessarily what opportunities might have been given to AAA developers over indie developers, but I would say that the 360 and PS3 generations are more of what kicked off indies than PS4 and Xbox One because they actually, like, opened the doors. PS4 and Xbox One had them since the beginning, roughly, but, like, PS3 was super behind for a long time and then actually focused on indies as a main selling point for the system. Um, It's constantly brought up that PlayStation specifically use them as a selling point with the whole PlayStation loves indies thing and that's why it was such a big deal that and I think this is actually kind of funny that PlayStation or a representative at PlayStation came out and said that the with the PS5 they're going to be focusing mostly on AAA games so right. it's kind of interesting that uh graham um graham struthers is like oh yeah i'm really excited for ps5 when it seems like ps5 might actually be a backstep for indie developers instead of kind of including them in this great way but also i'm not an indie developer so i don't really know and i'm also not 100 percent sure about the uh, like xbox project scarlet is very possible that that will be a main selling point for them but uh yeah, it's kind of weird. You you can't really discount how much like PS3s, uh, like PlayStation Love the Indies and Xbox Live Arcade did for indie games, and to yeah. like really thrust them into just the the grand scheme of things to like get them into everybody's face. So I think it's kind of weird that he is kind of like talking down to them, but saying that PS4 and Xbox One were better.
1: Hmm. I mean maybe maybe he's talking about early on in that life cycle because when they were just starting it might have still been hard from like a developer standpoint of getting your game to that console or that marketplace whereas you know from a consumer it's easy because we just have to log in and download whatever game it is but maybe it was like the actual infrastructure to get your game approved to get your game working on that console was difficult and then as the later years went by even though it wasn't as marketable the ps4 and the xbox one x maybe it was just easier to get them to that platform is what he means because it just might be a difference like a disconnect between the developer side of things versus the consumer side that I is that. possible
0: uh i have like personally heard on like a, a plethora of podcasts it is actually harder to get on playstation now than it used to be um no, i don't know them. but I mean, the uh, something I'm not considering is actually what Xbox Game Pass has actually done for indie developers. The fact that, like, seemingly people are selling a bunch of their indies, or they're they're kind of getting a lot of attention to them because they're on Game Pass. But I also right. I still don't understand how that exactly works. Is yeah, Microsoft get just, revenue
1: from that? Yeah, I,
0: I I don't understand it. I don't think I ever will because it's literally just like, hey. It's five bucks whatever and you get all these games that you get to play these like indie games that just came out like ashen and freaking Ori and the blind forest all sorts of stuff that like it's just crazy obviously Ori and the blind forest came out way before game pass did but that was just yeah, something still, I to bring it's a, up.
1: yeah it's a good point though because there's a lot of games that are you know day of release that are coming to game pass which is pretty nuts when you think about it like And granted, there's obviously their exclusives, which make more sense because they're trying to push their products, but they're still getting indies that are relatively new that they're pushing. And I assume the only way they would do that is something similar to like a Epic Game Store model of paying them a big chunk upfront and saying, hey, we're going to give you this money to have, you know, as many people as we want basically play this during their time with the subscription.
0: Yeah, I would assume that's what they do, um, because from what I understand, that's actually what PlayStation does with their PlayStation Plus titles—how they give them to right. you for free. They basically mm. just buy them in bulk and right. give it to the or give it to everybody. So, um, the article goes on to say, while Struthers is indeed excited about the potential of the PS5 and the next Xbox to grow the gaming category overall, um, the <clears throat> the executive observation that the new consoles. The executive observed that the new consoles seem to be more iterative in nature instead of dramatically different or improved versions of their predecessors. I think it is, um, I think it is ever harder to tell the differences between new consoles, but it's also cool that they're both coming in with a new generation of consoles. Uh, (laughs) I become of consoles because it means they're going to invest more money in the space which will create more users he said it's good for everyone and uh to have nintendo in such good vibrant health as well we've got three (laughs) console platforms apple arcade to mull over and steam and epic um and then it kind of just goes on to say a bunch of stuff this brother's
1: guy is such a glass half full character Both these articles have been very like positive and optimistic about everything.
0: Yeah, that's very true. He's like super upbeat about everything, which I don't know. Maybe that's why I find like his upbeatness weird or the fact that like he kind of downputs like PS3 and Xbox 360 when he talks up all these other things.
1: Maybe that's why I find it so weird. I don't know, man. I mean,. I'm kind of right there with you. I feel like PS5 and Xbox One X are not going to be the biggest like hitters when it comes to indie titles. I feel like the Switch kind of has that hold for now and it would be a weird a weird twist. Like there would have to be something very uh, unique or something very appealing to grab that audience to take them away from Switch because the reason why the Switch is so great for indies is because a lot of indie titles don't have the same type of graphical intensity that is needed on those bigger consoles and the switch is such a cheaper selling point especially when now you can get a console for only 200 bucks with the switch lite
0: yeah yeah not to mention the fact that um i mean i can't actually say this is a fact um, one, I feel sure like overcrowding isn't a big deal on the Nintendo switch because they actually have a decent enough marketplace. I would say mm. it's, I don't think it's as hard to that. navigate as playstations. If I'm uh, being honest,
1: I don't know. I think all of them are crap.
0: Oh, they're <laughs> absolutely ahead. terrible. They're all very bad, but I would say that I think ne- uh, that, uh, Nintendo's is actually like the lesser of three evils because mm, it's
1: give it a year and we'll see about that.
0: Oh yeah. It's absolutely going to get overcrowded. I mean, especially with all these indies coming to the Nintendo Switch, the fact that like every single week we have in new stuff like five different indie games that are coming to the Nintendo Switch, it's definitely going to get overcrowded. I just hope it doesn't get to the point that like PlayStation is, where if I wanted to find Destiny 2 Shadowkeep without buying the digital deluxe or any other things, I had to spend like 10 minutes looking for it. And even then, I couldn't look it up by itself. I actually had to go to Destiny 2, go to expansions, then click on Shadowkeep. Then I could purchase it by itself instead of being able to just type in Destiny 2 Shadowkeep and purchase it. Instead, I got a bunch of other shit. So, yeah. I I don't know. Yeah, I would. I, you would think that they'd be more excited about the, like, I don't know, more excited about the Switch and less excited about new consoles because let's be honest in the beginning of this next console race nobody's really going to be talking about indies or what I mean is nobody's going to be like PlayStation and Microsoft Sony and Microsoft um, PlayStation and Xbox are not going to necessarily be touting indie games they're right it's all going to be about the
1: exclusives they're holding up from their you know first party second party
0: yeah they're not going to be like they're they're going to be talking about larger triple a tentpole system sellers they're not going to be talking about i mean they'll talk about obviously the like next they're going to talk about orienting the will of the wisp but that's a special case Mm. overall they'll probably won't be talking about many indies to sell their systems
1: you know what this what? is a pretty good transition topic.
0: That is a very good transition topic. Uh, speaking of indie games, I don't know. I actually,
1: I totally <laughs> is, fucked it up. Yeah, you had uh, <laughs> all this, like built it up. It was all ready for you. And you looked at it. You took it, picked it up in your hands. And you just threw it right out the window. <laughs> and you're like, what is this?
0: <laughs> Our next article and last article is over on Nintendo Life. It is written by Damian McFerrin. I think. Mm. I'm gonna go with that. Um, he writes Fighting over what's indie and triple A harms the industry, says Sonic Mania and Cadence of Hyrule Artist. I kinda see where the transition is going now. If I'm there you <laughs> go. Yeah, I, I get you now. Um <laughs> Once upon a time, the term indie meant you were making games on your own with little outside help or support. And the results were often basic and crude uh, when compared to AAA titles. These days, the distinction between uh, has become harder to make as games that are considered to be indie titles are often as polished and playable as those which have come through the publisher uh, publisher system. And And we're also... A point where also... I'm assuming he at meant a at a point. Yeah, we're also at a point where... Yeah, we're also at a point where characters from games like Undertale and Shovel Knight are appearing in big-budget releases like Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Given the shifting nature of the industry, do we need to categorize games as indie or AAA anymore? Artist Paul Veer, which you gotta wonder how close, like how often people wonder if his name is Paul Revere. <laughs> I don't know. That's just me. That's probably just me, actually. Legally
1: Uh, changed it because of people (laughs) like you.
0: Maybe. Um, Who worked on Cadence of Hyrule and Sonic Mania thinks that the debate is pointless and doesn't do the games industry any favors. Speaking to Nintendo Force Magazine, Veer said, I think it's definitely... I think it definitely is harder to describe these days, but I also don't think it's really important to make that distinction, at least not for me personally. In the end, we all just make games and recognize that rather than trying to split up the industry and fight over who is or isn't AAA AAA or indie is a very... Uh, is a very good thing if you ask me he adds that the aforementioned crossovers are proof that the divide between indie and publisher led titles uh, has never been less relevant. It feels like it's making uh it f- feels like it's making collaborations between individuals and indie developers and larger st- individuals slash indie developers and larger studios possible and more common. And I don't mean just stuff like Shovel Knight or Undertale being represented in Super Smash Bros. You're seeing a bunch of smaller studios taking up, uh, taking on larger franchises nowadays with games like Wonder Boy and the Dragon's Trap. Shout out to Wonder Boy. Good game. <laughs> uh, Cadence of Hyrule, Streets of Rage 4, and River City Girls all happening uh, in the past few years. Or... Or even something like Toby Fox doing the soundtrack for Games Freak Little Town Hero. I generally hope we get to see a lot more collaboration like that. And I don't think we would have uh, seen these kinds of things if we kept separating AAA and indie. Yeah, I've been talking about this for a while. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like the distinction between AAA and indie. I think just like he does, it kind of just divides the industry unnecessarily. There, there's mm-hmm. no reason to set them apart, um, especially because it seems like initially the divide was created. The two different words were created to kind of make sure that you weren't comparing indie games to AAAs anymore. But right. now that indie games are so good, there's not really a reason to do that. It's just, if we were to just call them games, then good games would be good, bad games would be bad, and
1: it's not necessarily, it, it doesn't come down to how much money you put into it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's 100% true, because there's a ton of AAA games that come out and they're just flops, but there's also a ton of indie games, and granted, there's indie games that come out of slops as well, but there's a ton of indie games that are amazing. You know, things like Celeste, that in itself could have won game of the year last year like it's there's a lot of really special games that are coming out and we've talked about this before the term indie is so like uh, switched around and used when it's convenient but in other times isn't like it doesn't really mean much it's just one team has a lot of money and the other team doesn't have as much yeah it's i've I don't know necessarily if I've said this before,
0: um, but it kind of sounds like I don't know the the it being necessary to keep indie there is kind of like people looking down on like indie developers' games, saying that they're trying to like in a way protect them from having to go up against AAA games, which I don't think is necessary anymore. I think triple a games definitely do have a like at times have a higher quality like a higher caliber graphical fidelity but even that's getting pushed with games like senua sacrifice which was made by an incredibly small indie team and that game looks fantastic so i don't think it's necessary anymore um and if anything it's just kind of annoying and it's (laughs) i i'm always gonna hate the fact that like there's a separation between game of the year and indie game of the year because it just seems like kind of a participation trophy like oh you were there you're not that good but you're there
1: you're the best of you know the the others yeah you're the best of the rejects (laughs) yeah pretty much i it it makes me laugh every time we get on this conversation because we always devolve into this conversation where at the end of the day we're both like indie is dumb and it's like what is your podcast about again (laughs) Yeah, right. Not <laughs> not having the
0: distinction between indie games and AAA is kind of what keeps this podcast going. I don't know. I think indie should.
1: <sighs> I mean, I use it as more of indie games are generally uh, not as well publicized.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of where I go with it too. I'm. Um, I think the the biggest distinction between the two is definitely, like you said. the the amount of people that may or may not talk about them. That's kind of why this podcast is always probably going to exist, or at least hopefully, cross my fingers, going to exist, (laughs) because there's always going to be, like, these lesser-known games created by smaller development teams that aren't going to be talked about as much because they just don't have a marketing budget. And, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what Indie Game is coming down to, like you said, is literally just marketing budget at this point. It is no longer a quality, which... I'm going to say again, annoys me so much that the fact that it's so closely correlated with quality that people still think indie represents quality, that if a game is over $20, then it's a big issue, which I'm going to say once again as well, I'm part of the problem. Because I look at them and I'm like, ooh, more than $20? Mm." (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to buy that one.
1: You're the issue.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm a proponent. I. I'm not doing much to keep it from happening. I'm just kind of talking out my ass. But uh, speaking that right. of talking out my ass, I think it's about time we Ew. hop into news crap. cram Nice. That was a good one. Thank you. I like Thank it you. a lot. Uh, news Cram is our weekly wrap-up segment where we, the host of Indie Incursion and Indie Games Podcast, since I didn't want to, like, clip it all together. Cram, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you full of all sorts of Indie Games news. This week in News Cram, we have just one news story before we hop into a bunch of new stuff for you. So... Our first news story, um, and it's actually kind of a quick one, this week comes from Nintendo Life. Uh, those eager beavers who've already purchased a Hat in Time on the Nintendo Switch might notice a storage issue sho- sooner rather than later. That's because reportedly the file size is a colossal 16 gigabytes on the Nintendo Switch, which is roughly 4 times larger than the PlayStation 4 port and twice as large as PC. How do you feel about that, big Josh boy? Any reason why you'd think that? I mean, it's you a made a joke hat. earlier there was more hats, but...
1: <laughs> Just a lot of hats. All the hats. There's too many hats, not enough time.
0: Yeah, I, I'm i kind of wondering why. Like,
1: seriously, why? Unoptimized? I don't know. I guess it was a bad port. I don't know. Maybe it's a good port. Who knows, man? Something. Sometimes things are bigger than they appear. <laughs> I don't know. Nothing about dev talk, so that's all I got for you. <laughs>
0: All right, let's hop into some new stuff. Our first five items in new stuff come from Nintendo Life. Uh, Developer Lab Zero known for indie hits such as Skullgirl, the Skullgirls franchise, and the recent indie darling Indivisible comes Skullgirls' second encore available right now on the Nintendo Switch Uh, from indie developer Duo Duo Ang. It's A-N-G-E. So maybe it's Angie, but... Could be gross. I'm not 100% sure. And Arlien Potier? I'm honestly, I don't know how to say these names. Just listen for the game title. Uh, it comes <laughs> Somber Platformer Yuri. Look up Yuri. Okay? Y U R I. Look up that game. Uh, which is headed to go. the Nintendo Switch on October 31st. Uh, point and click horror game Just Ignored Them by developer Stronga, which is S T R. A N G A games.
1: Man, they're giving you a lot of weird ones today.
0: Yep. Yep. Is available right now on the Nintendo switch for four 99, uh, indie action platformer, battle princess, Madeline pays homage to ghosts and goblins on Nintendo switch and PlayStation four with a limited physical release through limited run games. That one might be hard to pick up. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I believe it's going Hmm. on sale. Um, on Friday, maybe or on Thursday. Uh, so by the time you're listening to this, it's if you want to get out. a physical copy of Battle Princess Madeline, make sure to hop over to Limited Run Games and pick yourself up one. Speaking of, dude, <laughs> I bought that sweet ass Wonder Song Collectors Edition on there.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, very nice. Did you Did you actually even beat it yet? No. you big old see that's
0: my point is when i get these collector's editions is when i'm going to beat them my celeste collector's edition Mm. supposedly is going to ship out next week so Mm. yeah quick update on that limited run finally going to ship this bitch out i'm excited to actually play through the rest of celeste probably just going to use the accessibility features because i'm kind of sick of the level that i'm on but it's uh yeah
1: i mean i think you shouldn't but I probably won't.
0: I don't know why I did that so loud into the
1: mic. <laughs> That's okay. It wasn't that loud. But maybe it is. I don't know. It <laughs> yeah. Wasn't
0: for me. Hopefully not. Uh, visual okay. novel will a fun for a wonderful world is getting a limited physical release on the Nintendo Switch for seventy nine ninety nine. I believe there's only four hundred copies of that one. So wow. if you guys want to pick it up, um, I would recommend just kind of looking that up because the publisher is really weird. It's really odd. Um, really weird yeah or just go to nintendo life look for the article and then uh they did not actually link it so good luck with that um (laughs) now we're (laughs) moving okay <laughs> now we're moving over to TwinFinite uh for our next news story. Developer Plausible Concepts has announced that Bad North yoten Edition is now available on both iOS and Android for $4.99. And lastly, Polygon reports that developer William Uh Kyer Kier it's C H Y R. So not exactly sure. Chair? Let's go with Chair. William Chair has just announced that puzzle game Manifold Garden is available through the Epic Game Store and Apple Arcade, as well as heading to PlayStation 4 at a later date. All right. The biggest of average Josh boys. Are you ready for our next segment? I'm so ready. All right, so we've been blessed with so many amazing indie games news stories that I think it's about time we get back to the developers in our next segment. God bless the crowd. This is where the Biggest of Average Josh Boys hops into all sorts of different crowdfunding sites and we talk about one of them. Today, we have literally won. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. One of them. That's what I do. Normally we have two, but this one is actually kind of interesting. Uh, this one is actually over on fig.co. This is one of our just rare fig entries, but we've actually rare talked figs. about the reason that it happens. So yep. we don't need to do it again. Um, this is Put 'em Up, a <laughs> an animal heist simulator. Um, this one on fig they're still doing the roadmap stuff where they're not technically asking for a specific goal instead they're just trying to hit milestones so if this game sounds good for you go over and uh kind of just like purchase the one that you want i guess they as far as i see they don't actually have many different tiers Mm, i think they just have the early bird backer right for the 15 dollars
1: yeah, so there's the Super Early Bird, which has already been taken, which was 13 bucks. That's sold out. Um, there's only 200 people, and they are already been claimed, and now it's the Early Bird backer. So the reasoning behind this, and we talked about this, the open access uh, part of FIG, it's like this new model that they're going about where the game is pretty much in a state of you being able to play it, um, and you're paying the money not for tiers in the sense of like, kickstarters where hey i'm gonna pay a bunch of money and i got a shirt um instead this is just saying hey you can pay a a reasonable amount this 15 bucks you'll get the game you'll get to play it and based on how many people actually go into this with us as you know the the testers for this alpha access or beta access depending on where the game is at um You'll then get milestones where they'll add certain things available. Uh, The one thing about this game, I'm not too crazy about their milestones. Um, The first one is good because they're adding a new animal. So I guess to backtrack a bit, the actual game is all about just running in here being a weird physics-based animal. So a giant chicken, a giant alligator, a giant moose it looks like. And just running through and trying to rob a bank for some reason. Yeah, it's a lot like Gang
0: Beasts. Yeah, yeah. It basically looks like a Gang Beast heist, uh, heist game.
1: Yeah, so this seems like a very, like, it's going to be frustrating, but in a very hilarious way of you just really messing around and just seeing kind of the wacky world that unfolds of you as a giant alligator trying to rob a bank where you're basically just flailing your arms around until you get to wherever you need to go. Um, I think it's awesome. I really like the concept of this. I think this is definitely going to be an interesting game to get from an alpha perspective because I'm sure it'll be even buggier than it will be, you know, when it gets to be more of uh, an actual full-fledged game. So that might add a bit of character to it uh, just in itself. But their milestones I'm not, balls? Yeah, I'm not as crazy about them. And like the, the solace to that is obviously you're not really buying this for the milestone. You're buying it just because you're paying the fifteen dollars to get early access to it and to play it and give feedback and like build the community for this game. But their milestones, the first one is a new animal, which is legit. Which That's is probably five- gonna
0: be a goose, let's be real. <laughs> They're gonna capitalize on that untitled goose game. I mean, I'd be okay with that. Yeah,
1: I I don't have any problem with it. That'd be dope. Yeah. Uh, But then the second milestone... Oh, actually, they changed this one. That's interesting. Okay, so the new milestone, Milestone 2 is a new mini game of your choice, which seems weird because there's like... More than 200 people who have already bought it, so does everyone get a choice? Is it like, going to be a Google survey kind of a thing? I don't know about that. Yeah, and Can it I... seems like their mini games are mostly just sports-based because the only two that they featured were golf and bowling. And the bowling, which I think looks ridiculous. But, I mean, that's fine because they're just adding wacky elements to the game. Originally, when I first saw this, their thing was uh, Milestone 2 was literally adding a plushie. Oh, what the... F- but it wasn't like to your order it was just we're going to then make plushies of like the chicken or something and you can buy them yeah and then i guess you could buy them it didn't like specify that you were getting it so i assume based on user feedback they were like oh people don't want this yeah that sounds like dog shit (laughs) yeah they want an actual milestone that's one of the reasons why i was like kind of meh about those milestones this actually makes more sense that it's a new animal and then a new mini game of your choice it's not obviously the best of things you can get but As the game progresses, I'm sure they'll get more expansive and depending on if a lot of people do back it and they actually get, you know, good money to have those, like you're going from 10,000 to 20,000 as the next milestone. So another $10,000, you would assume they would put in like, oh, we're going to put in extra heists. We're going to put in, you know, extra uh, wacky elements or things that you can pick up and interact with in the world. Or, you know, I'm not going to be as creative with this because I don't really know what they have or haven't created yet, but still you can use your imagination and i'm sure the milestones will get more extensive and interesting it just depends on how many people actually put their money into this as it's in this early access open phase
0: do we know how long this is going to be on fig for does it just get the standard like month no i don't think so because uh let me do a quick check I'm mostly just curious because the 20,000 is TBD. Like, you don't actually know what it's going to be. So, right, right. I mean, it would just be weird if it was still TBD if it's near the time when they're, like,
1: going to cut off yeah so my understanding for these open access betas and i i went to do a quick check on the one that was uh that we originally talked about when this first came out that vagrus or vagrus i i never know exactly how to say it they're still in their open access beta i believe what they're doing is they're literally going to be in that open access phase until it's a full polished game and they actually go and sell it to the market
0: uh that's kind of making me curious then, because the Unexplored Two was also one that we talked about, mm-hmm. that was in this open access stuff. So I'm wondering if they're the same way. Yeah, seemingly yeah, it they looks are. open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, cool. Yeah, that's so actually pretty
1: nice. Yeah, so it's an interesting way to go about it because at any point up until the game comes out, you can you know buy it uh, seemingly in this more cheaper version of the game. Um, because uh, you would assume that as it comes out to market, it would be you know an extra five, ten, fifteen, whatever amount it is, um, but this is more like the the reason why I don't think their milestones from uh, the put em up game is very uh, promising as far as this access program goes. Is it leans too much on the more traditional side of kickstarters and campaign like crowdfunding parts where unexplored two. Did more of an interesting adding to the world where their milestones. Let me see the roadmap again, but their milestones were having in-game like scavenger hunts and events that at that certain point, people who had put the money in to get to that point would then have access to different uh, different things in-game where you could win, and that would get you, I think, collectibles inside the game from that standpoint. So it like built that community around you wanting to be an early access person and to to actually want to play the game, which granted might be harder for, you know, put them up just based on what it is. But there could still be ways that they could do that based on like, hey, we hit $10,000 and we'll do, you know, a specialty heist where we add some really weird elements to it that change up the game and alter it or something like that that's only available. Or maybe they do like a holiday specific thing based on the time that it comes out or something to make them like I think the way they did it in Unexplored 2 was if you win the event in there you then get to do some of those normal crowdfunding site uh, high tier things that you would see of like naming a character or like designing one so you would get to play in the game have something maybe it's like whoever as a team gets the highest score in this game during that you know period of time when they hit that goal, you then get to come up with the next new character and you get to decide who the animal would be. Like something like that would be extremely cool because you would be a part of that and be able to build into that, you know, oh, I was the one who came up with it. I was the one who won the event. I got to create this animal and it pushes others to want to be a part of it and to spend their money earlier to get that opportunity.
0: Yeah, and this, it doesn't really seem like you're part of
1: development, right? is
0: what I'm assuming you're kind of getting at.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And granted, that's not like a bad thing, so to speak, but I think it's um, not utilizing this open access program to the best of its uh, ability.
0: Yeah, because that is what was so cool about The Unexplored 2, because you could affect development in real ways. Like when the game actually came out, like you said, people could do the standard stuff, like, oh, make whatever. But then also there was that, like, little subsection where if you were the first to finish certain events, you would actually be put in the game's lore. Mm -hmm. I think that was really, really cool. And that's something, I mean, I don't feel like Put them Up will really get, uh, I don't think this is going to be really lore-based, but it would be cool to have something like that where you can actually affect the story of the game. Yeah, and, I mean,
1: there's got to be a reason they're robbing the bank, you know? There could be a background.
0: Uh, they're robbing the bank at the behest of a weird scientist that lives in the sewers.
1: See? That's some good lore right there. They could just add <laughs> to it. it say why why the scientist got to be this way, you know?
0: Yeah, I I think this game is really interesting. I think when it comes out there's no way that they can charge more than 19.99 for it, mostly because that's how much Gang Beasts is. Mm. Um so that's that's kind of my like justifying that plus i don't really know yeah i I, mostly just because of gang beasts that i don't think that they could probably charge more than 1999 i mean i think it depends on how
1: much they put into the game and how extensive some of these events are like right now we're only seeing the bank we're only seeing a subset of that part of the game as they expand and as this open access, you know, period keeps going, perhaps it looks completely different. There's, you know, more variety to it and maybe they have more of a reason to charge, you know, a higher price point. But I think 20 seems about right on the mark as far as what it is now, but granted, you know, those higher tiers might become a thing and they might have more money to play around with some creative or creative liberties, you know, you don't know what it would become, so we'll see
0: yeah and let alone the fact that like right now let alone uh later on when this game actually comes out the like the attitude around gang beasts might be completely different because their most recent reviews on steam are actually mixed hmm. so it seems like they're they popular that game's popularity might be waning anyway so it's possible that put em up might be a like i don't know something that people who like the fans of gang beast that aren't currently satisfied with it no, might flock to. that itch yeah so i mean this game looks really interesting um so i i might have to check it out it, it looks cool <laughs> i'm not a big multiplayer guy um, i know so that's jerk. yeah that's my problem <laughs> i did see that you were super stoked about the like
1: In a way, online local play through uh, Steam, though, dude, that blows my mind. I can't wait to actually give that a try. I think it just came out recently in their beta phase. I need to look more into how to do that. But like, the fact that there's so many times where I've complained about a game where I'm like, "Damn, I wish this was multiplayer." The fact that it's only local co-op is kind of like driving me to not buy that. Like, I think there was it was like River Bonds or something a recent game. Yeah, River Bond. Yeah, like, that game is a great example. If it's on Steam, I could just be like, all right, well, you know what? I can play it online co-op anyway. And, like, what a crazy experience. I don't even know how that works. Like, what they're doing to get that, I guess it's just, I don't even know. But I I feel like there might be some latency issues with that depending on how they go about technically doing that. But regardless, I think it's awesome, and I can't wait to actually try it out and see what it's like. I also kind of want to try Children of Morda, and do that multiplayer? You want to play with me? I'm on PS4. Yo, get the fuck out, all right? <laughs> this podcast is done. I'm done.
0: Uh, this podcast is done. Thanks for the sweet transition. I will probably... I If it's cool and, and there's not too much latency, I really want to get through Children of Morta, so I, I would totally probably pick it up on PC to play with you. Because I am the guy who... I mean, I didn't actually purchase it. I was given a code by the developer, so...
1: I know you should have asked for PC, like I did.
0: Well, the reason that I got it on PS4 was actually because I'm, I like I'm doing content on the like console releases of it, mm. which came out months later. <laughs>
1: uh, you, you <laughs> jerk! Uh,
0: but that's the end of this podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. No random questions of today because you people sure? really enjoy to like the tweet, but. Do not actually reply with questions.
1: I mean, we got our favorite ice cream flavor, and that's kind of like a random question.
0: That's very true, and we talked about how stoked you are for Steam's pseudo-online multiplayer.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could turn that into a question. It's kind of <laughs> like we did it.
0: Cool. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys like this, make sure you follow us on Twitter at indie pod is where you can actually write in your questions uh, follow the i'm not gonna say the real hijinks we i mean i personally just need to get better at messing around on that twitter account i need to yeah, like do like I a do tweet too. a day or something like yeah active quest is really on it with their twitter that's because josh is
1: really good about that i see his little like i like how they always say like
0: yeah they say who tag did
1: josh it? who did it and it's yeah. always josh i feel like
0: yeah, I do really enjoy that. Maybe we just need to find a third that'll like be on the podcast uh, and then just guy. do the social.
1: Yeah. I it's tough because I don't really like social media in general. I don't look at it a lot or care. So when it comes to this kind of thing, I'm always like, Man, I should probably tweet. And then I like think about it and I'm like, I don't have anything interesting to say. I don't know. Eh, fuck it. And I just don't do anything. <laughs>
0: I'm like an addict of Twitter. I'm always on Twitter, even that's though that's what's so not funny matter. that you
1: won't use the IndiePod Twitter yeah. account. Like, just literally stay off your personal one. And well, just... it's mostly
0: because I'm just goofing on Josh for not liking hentai and stuff like that. So that's
1: okay. We'll make a name for ourselves, I guess. Actually, nah. You know what? I don't want that. <laughs> Never
0: uh... mind. <laughs> If you guys would like to follow me outside the show, you can follow me at Hyde Legion, where I talk about hentai uh, and at Josh Penwell. So, well, actually, it's at Penwell Writes. So feel free to tweet at him and be like, hey, I heard you like hentai.
1: <laughs> yeah, Chris is not going to like this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and make sure you follow Josh at the underscore George 90. Uh, he tweets about all sorts of weird stuff.
1: It's mostly about indie games, but yeah, yeah, mostly stuff, I guess. And Um, on
0: occasion, ice cream, I guess, maybe.
1: Oh, I haven't yet, but maybe I will. Maybe I'll go right now and I'll post something about ice cream. (laughs) Why not, right? Uh, so this is just a bit of context
0: for those. I mean, nobody's actually watching. My fiance just peeked her head like the Grudge through the door and is staring. Are you crying? No, she's not. One- I doubt she's wondering if I'm crying. She's mostly probably just waiting so we can go get food. <laughs> she's like, stop this stupid podcast so I can eat, damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah, on that note, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Give us five stars. Bye. That's a good point. Yeah, review the podcast on Podcast Services. iTunes, we've got two. Give us more. Just five Bye star reviews.
1: again. <laughs> Actually, bye.